This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing well? Blessed? I, um, I didn't realize the timing of um, everything when we started our, our Sunday evening service, and it was the week before football. So <clears throat> I was wondering why so many people were coming to Sunday evening service instead of Sunday Wednesday services, and now I understand. So you know what? God bless you guys who are here while your team is playing, brother. Oh, okay. Well, it'll be a longer service then, so. Good to see you guys. I'm blessed to be here this Sunday morning as I always am. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll have somebody get a Bible to you so you can follow along. It's important to be able to follow along in God's Word. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes on our Sunday morning Bible study as we go through uh, Ecclesiastes. Uh, as I mentioned last week, one of the more difficult books to look at because it can be, it can be uh, a little draining because these are powerful truths that, let's say, Solomon has for us, and it's things that we should be considering, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a purpose for it. His intention is to get us to understand something in a good way before it's too late, before we kind of mess things up. So um, the title of today's message, and, and I, I didn't intend to have this chapter go along so well with current events, but it seems like the Lord did. So um, the message of today's, the, the title of today's message is Just Do It. Just do it. We're going to break this chapter into three different segments, and we're going to look at, in the, in the first segment, Solomon says, he has everything, he can do anything, so he's not going to do anything. He just is going to give himself over to pleasure and just, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he can do whatever he wants, so he's just not going to do anything. The second part of that first segment is him on, on the reverse side saying that I can do anything, so I'm going to do everything. He says, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do everything in, in this quest for wisdom, in this quest for understanding about what life is about under the sun. I'm going to do everything. And we see he puts together this, this utility. Utopia, this, this modern day for him in the Garden of Eden kind of situation, scenario, and, and a mini kingdom inside of a kingdom. He just did it. He did everything he wanted to do. That's the first section. The second section, he talks about the wise and the fool. And then the third is the result of doing, just do it. The result of doing it, doing, vanity. Spoiler alert first chapter. Do whatever you want. Do, do everything. But it all boils down to vanity. There is a gospel message in this verses. I can identify with the book of Ecclesiastes. I love it because I'm a recovering pessimist. It's a process. 
Uh, I have hope and, and um, confidence in God, and that's why I can have a good perspective on life. But, but I used to just think that life, well, we'll see, we'll read about it in a little bit, chapter 2. So if you're taking notes, those are the three sections we're going to look at in this chapter. We'll have some points with a conclusion in the end for our takeaway, for our application. Let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, that, that we could have confidence in you. And your purpose is, and your plan and your kingdom come on the earth. Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we seek you for, God. We seek you individually. We seek you corporately. We seek you as a, a city and as a nation. We want to understand. We, we don't want it to be about this earthly kingdom. All these things under the sun, God. We understand and we want to understand more that, that it's about the, the big picture. It's about our perspective. It's about the things that, that you have in store for us or that you're doing in our lives right now, God. We want to give ourselves over to you with that understanding. Bless your word, Father, we pray. We thank you, God, for that time of worship that we can offer you the fruit of our lips in singing to you. We thank you, Father, that we get to the reading of your word and nobody is worthy to have their word considered and contemplated as much as you are worthy, God. So we worship you through the study of your word. And we thank you, God, for your provision in our lives and for taking care of us. We pray that you bless and sanctify the tithes and offerings that we have to give to you today. Thank you for your provision and thank you for your care. In Jesus' name we pray. Each one of these studies, we're gonna have a word that's the focus in the end as a takeaway. The first study, the word, if you don't remember, was purpose. This big picture, you know, that we had all the P's, a bunch of P's. In fact, it's funny, whenever I do something like that, we were talking about P's, I had somebody come up to me afterwards and give me like four more P's. You could have used these P's too. I'm like, well, thanks. I should have called you before Sunday, and then we could have get those all straightened out. But um, I, I like it, you know. Uh, but the first one was purpose, and, and God's purpose in the big picture of things, in, in contrast to vanity, it's not our purpose or our plan, but it's God's purpose, and, and he does make all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his? You guys okay? Y'all awake? Sleeping? Called according to his? Purpose. His purpose. He knows what's going on. He gets it. You don't. That's okay. This chapter, the, the word for us is, and if you're taking notes, jot it down. We'll look at it more toward the end of the Bible study, is contentment contentment in contrast to vanity and all the craziness that happens in this world. Chapter 2, let's begin. Verse 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. What is, what is Solomon saying? He's saying, I could do anything. <laughs> Richest guy ever, best king, best kingdom, perfect scenario. He says, I could do anything, so I determined in myself to do nothing, to just pleasure myself, 
Just whatever my, what did he say? He said, to gratify my flesh. Whatever my flesh wanted, I did it. I said now in my heart, come, I will test you with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? He says, I, I, I even was, was laughing hysterically to, to the point of craziness. Imagine the resources that Solomon had at his disposal or, or this, this king. Imagine the resources he had at his disposal. How many of you guys like to laugh? Who like, yeah, everybody likes to laugh. Get a good comedian. There's this, this new comedy thing that's online lately. I don't know if you've, if you've seen it, but it's called dry bar comedy. So it's, there's, you know, the, the, there's no cussing. There's no alcohol. It's just good, clean, pure fun. And sometimes a little laughter will lighten the heart, and you just want to laugh it off, you know? And, and sometimes a lot of laughter. So what do you do? I go to Walmart, you know? <laughs> laugh it off. Feeling bad? Having a bad day? Go walk around Walmart. You'll, your day will get real good real quick. And depending on how much I need to be cheered up is, is uh, dependent on which Walmart I go to. So if I'm really having a bad day and I just need a, a good dose of humor, I go to the one on Tropicana up there and I'm rolling down the aisles. If I'm not too bad, I just need a little pick-me-up. I go down to the one here on Eastern, and it's not so bad as far as Walmarts go. But the thing I like about the one on Eastern that is pretty, pretty interesting, um, that it's the closest Walmart, if you'd ever noticed this, it's the closest Walmart in Las Vegas to the airport. So if you go into that Walmart and you walk around, what you'll find pretty quickly is that a lot of the people, sometimes it seems like most of the people in that Walmart, are foreigners that just have landed in America and want to go check out Walmart. So you got these groups of tourists just walking around looking at Walmart. I'm like, this is nuts. You guys go home. There's nothing to see here. Wait, I'm here too. Yeah, never mind. I guess you guys can stay. We can laugh at each other. He says, I did anything, I did everything, I did nothing. I laughed, I cried, I, I, I could not within myself find any satisfaction in it. He says, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom. Now, that's two things that are interesting. He says that he gave himself over to the flesh. He gave himself over to the appetites of the flesh, whatever the flesh wanted. He also includes wine in that. I, I drank to have fun and to do, but all the while, listen, this is important, all the while guiding myself in wisdom. There was a purpose. There was a method to his madness. He wanted to try to find, answer this question, is there anything meaningful under the sun? I laughed, I joked, I, I gratified my flesh, I guided my heart in wisdom, reminding myself this, there's a purpose that you're doing this for and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. So under heaven is the same kind of phrase that we see 30 sometimes in the rest of these 12 chapters that he says under the sun, under heaven, under the sun. This is, this is little picture stuff. So what does the, the sons of men take pleasure in? So I gave myself over to nothing. Now entering into the second part of our first section, if you're taking notes, chapter 2, verse 4, he invents Nike. No, I'm just kidding. 
just do it. He says, I am going, you know, doing nothing and just pleasuring myself and gratifying my flesh was vanity. I guided my heart and wisdom to find that. It's vanity. Now I'm going to move on. Verse four, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. Look at those are plural houses, vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I don't know about you guys, but one of the most disappointing, difficult things about living in Vegas is that we live in the desert. My parents, my family is from the East Coast. They're from Pennsylvania, and I would fly back there in the summers and visit my grandma, and it was just, it's stupefying to me when I would land how gorgeous everything was, like the trees and the green and the water. I'm like, why would anybody plant a city in the desert? Why do I have to go back there? I would beg my parents, let's move to Pennsylvania. It's so pretty. And they're like, no, we can't do that. We have to stay in the desert. So when you go to these, some of these people, they have homes and they really put a lot of effort into to making their own little oasis at home. You, I've been to people's houses that are gorgeous. You know, you walk up and they've got grass. They've got grass, not desert landscaping. They've got grass and they go in the backyard and there's grass and there's trees. And it's like, oh man, I could sit back here forever. It's so peaceful. It feels so nice and so manicured, so well put together. If I had the ideal, perfect backyard, I don't know how much it would cost, but if I could do what I wanted to do with my backyard, it would be a paradise in paradise. You get it? Thank you. You too. It would be a paradise in paradise. The reason that we bought our house, we went through in the backyard and we had these eight Mexican palms or whatever. And then we have three huge canary palms that completely cover the pool and most of the backyard. And we were like, we bought the house for the backyard. Mostly we're like, this is gorgeous. This is so awesome. And our real estate agent's like, dude, this house is going to need a lot of work. Like, we don't care. We want it. So we cleaned up the backyard. And, and really, it is so, so satisfying to go sit down after we've, we've cleaned the porch and put everything together and cleaned the pool just to sit back there and just in the shade and the greenery. It's gorgeous. Solomon, he says, I, I, I created for myself the perfect habitation. I had vineyards and houses, and they were gorgeous. And I had this little, this little Garden of Eden. I had this little kingdom inside my kingdom where, where I had all these things that, that, that I thought were going to give me some kind of satisfaction. I made pools of water, which uh, the water growing the trees of the grove. Do you guys like water? I love water. I was just talking to Grace about this yesterday. We ran up to Utah for a couple days last week, and, and I just, you know, we needed a little refresher. We needed some time with the kids because school and everything has just been bonkers and sports and vanity, vanity, all this, all this stuff happening and going on. So we ran up really quick, and we were right next to uh, this creek. And, and the Lord gave me a verse before we went up, and he, it's that he wanted to lead me into, into pastures. He wanted to lay me down beside quiet waters and restore my soul. And that's what happened. We had a couple days of soul restoration. And to sit, sit next in a, in a lawn chair next to this creek and just listen to it, you know, and know that, that I'm going to let those fish 
live a little longer today. I'm going to let those guys hang out because I'm hanging out. And it was just gorgeous. And the water brings some kind of soothing. And he says, I got water. He says, I've got houses. I've got trees. I've got groves. I've got fruit. I've got... In my little mini kingdom, I've got, every, I've got water that flowing through pools of water. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. He says, I, I have an abundance of service. I don't have to lift a finger. I don't have to do a thing. In fact, I got so many servants. I have so much stuff going on in my little, my little thing that I'm doing here, my little paradise, that, that my servants are having babies in my house. And I get more servants. Addition, multiplication. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of provinces. You see those, I watched a movie not too long ago about how there is this one thing that, that was worth a great amount of money. And, and um, this rich guy, he wanted it just because of, because of, he couldn't have it. You will hear when people say that something's priceless, you have these mega rich that are like, nothing's priceless to me. I'll give you $2 billion so that I could put that on my shelf and everybody can see how special I am. So almost says, I, I gotcha. I can do it too. I'll get stuff that only kings have from far provinces and it's going to be amazing. And you come to my house, you're going to see the stuff on my shelf and you're going to be like, whoa, that's cool. Put my stuff and then my silver and my gold and my herds and my flocks and my special things on my shelves. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and special instruments of all kinds. Entertainment. Imagine having somebody famous come over to your house just to sing to you. <laughs> you listen to music when you're in the shower? I don't because I like it quiet. I need peace sometimes. So just the water, back to water. I just like the sound of the water. The psalm is like, yo, Bob, Jimmy, Julie, Karen, I'm going to take a shower, come in the bathroom, you know, around the corner, of course. This is church and sing to me. I want to be entertained. I want to relax. I want to hear this, this melodic sound while I take a shower, while I relax. You, you get the picture? He, he did it. He said, if I wanted to do it, I did it, and I did everything, and I did it well, and I did it for my own satisfaction. I was a doer, so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, we can take note again, my wisdom remained with me. He's not doing this stuff for no reason. He, he's, he's focused. There's a purpose behind it. He's trying to learn. He wants to be able to give that wisdom to somebody else. He wants to give that wisdom. God wants to give that wisdom to us. This is, this is under heaven. Remember, this is little P stuff. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done <clears throat> and on the labor 
in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Again, you know, we talked last week about how that Hebrew word for profit is, is uh, a business term. It's a, it's a profit. You're, you're making something. He says, I, I did nothing. I just lived for pleasure or I, I fed my flesh or I did whatever I wanted to do. And then he says, I did everything. I just went and I got whatever I wanted. I had houses and gardens and orchards and servants and servants having servants and, and riches and stuff on my shelves and, and status and everything that I wanted. I, I just did it. I went and got it. And this was my reward. It was meaningless. There was no profit in it. It was worthless. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, man, what are, you, what are you trying to do? Where are we going with this? There is a purpose in recognizing the difference between God's kingdom on this earth and our kingdom on this earth. And if we are about more about our kingdom, little k kingdom, than God's kingdom, we will see, we will for sure find out that all is vanity disconnected from the divine purpose of God in our lives. Make no mistake. And, and if you don't want to listen to me tell you that, this is truth. If you don't want to listen to me, listen to him. He, he's not joking around. He's saying this is the truth. Don't give yourself over to things, little case stuff, that, that is going to have no purpose in your life because God has a bigger purpose for you, and you're going to find satisfaction in that. The word for today, you're going to find contentment in that, but you're not going to find contentment in the other stuff that you want out of life. You're not. Going into our second section regarding the wise and the fool, then I turn myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. There's our do. If you're a circler or an underliner, what can a man do? Just do it. What can I do? What can I not do? And, and he says, if, I, if this is what I've attained, if this is what I've accomplished, and I'm the number one guy, the big kahuna, I am it, and what, what, what good is the, the, the next guy going to do? He's got to live up to me, and then what? And he, what, is he, what if he's greater? What, he's going to find the purpose? No, he's not. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly, as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to them all. The wisest of men, the foolish of fools. And in the end, the same thing happens. I've been thinking recently about some famous people who have passed away, royalty, rich, whatever the case may be. Whether they're wise, wiser than wise, or foolish, the foolishness of fools, it, it, their end is the same. He says, yes, wisdom is better. It, it's the, the difference between lightness and light and dark. It's definitely better. But, but in the end, the, the wise and the fool, their end is the same. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. 
And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity, for there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die as the fool? I was contemplating recently, I don't know what exactly how it came up, but I saw Princess Diana's picture. Maybe it was the anniversary of her death or something like that. And it took me back to that time, that, that place in time when a princess lost her life while the paparazzi were pursuing her because it was, you know, it was that. It was that. It was, that. It was vanity. It was status and, and, and what, what you own and, and, and royalty. And, and she lost her life just like that. I was a little kid, and I remember there were people weeping and people mourning and, and some people saying she wasn't just a princess of, of an island or a, a country. She was a princess of the world, of our hearts and the story. And oh, and, and I still get taken back a little bit to, to that time when that happened. And then I said to, to Thomas, I said, Thomas, isn't it sad, the whole thing with Princess Diana and now we're remembering? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who's Princess Diana and why should I care? Now, he didn't really say that, and I didn't really say that to him. The point is, next generation comes along, the nostalgia's disconnect, the name means nothing, and the story has little more value, uh, a little even less value, and then you go to the next generation after that, and it's even, it's even smaller to the point where it, it doesn't even matter. Like, people were affected by this. People die all the time, whether you're wise or a fool. Wherever you're at in the world, people die. And he's saying, I want you guys to understand something. Yes, live wise, be wise, that's good. Don't be a fool. But for the purpose of my procedure, for the purpose of my practice here, what I'm doing, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. I could gain everything. I could give myself to pleasure. I could be the wisest of men as I was. I could be the the biggest fool, since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As the fool. You know, my grandma had this saying, for some reason, I don't know if it was that generation or what, but she was, she was pretty enthralled with the Queen of England, you know. And she'd always compare herself to the Queen of England. And she said, the Queen and I have two things in common. We sit on the same throne, and we're both going to go to meet our makers. And if, if you kind of understand the throne I'm talking about, it's okay. Yeah, we're all good? Okay, yeah. You've all got maybe one or two or three in your rooms or in your houses, and you use them on a daily basis. She said, we sit on the same throne, and we're going to the same place. You know, we're going to meet our maker someday. So wise, status, fool? In the end, it's all the same. Now, there again, I want to point to you, point you to, as we go into the third section, uh, that there is a purpose of God in these things. Chapter 
2, verse 17, Therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. That's a powerful statement. It's a powerful. He says what? I hated life. I hated life because of the toil, the work, the striving, everything that is done under the sun. Again, if I, if I can point to you, little K, this is little K stuff, not big K. This is this world under the sun for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun. Because I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. He says, I, I despaired of my life. I despaired of the things that I did. I, I gained great things. I, it was monumental, the presentation of my kingdom and my life. And this is what it looks like. But then I despaired of my labor because I thought to myself, where's it all going to go? And I was the wise man, but what if all my stuff goes to a fool and he doesn't know how to handle it or what to do with it? I didn't even want to do anything. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore, I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun. I had a great uncle who is the dream of everybody here. I'm sure everybody's desire to have a great uncle or something who was filthy rich and that when they died, you didn't even know him, but you got some kind of inheritance, right? Everybody wants that kind of uncle. Like, well, that's, that's awesome. Like, I didn't even know I had. Well, I had an uncle that was in that category. He was a great uncle. He, he, was, he was wealthy. I wouldn't say filthy rich, but he was, he was wealthy. And, and um, he would, he, when I would go visit him, he would, he would say like, hey, if you do certain things, then for me or with me, you know, hang out. Uh, if, if you come back more and visit and blah, blah, whatever, I'll give you a greater portion of my inheritance. <laughs> he'd, he'd say that, you know? And I'm like, well, this is, this is crazy. And, and years go by, we, we had a good relationship. He always told me that, that he felt like he was the closest to me. And, and I thought, especially as a young boy, you know, I thought, man, what, it, what is he going to give me when he dies? And then the whole world gets turned upside down. I get saved and I start walking with the Lord and all my perspective is changed and I, and I, and I didn't have the angst of the world anymore. I had, I had contentment. I had worth. I, I understood who, who God was and that he wanted me to know him. It was a good season and especially thinking back on those early days 
And I told my uncle um, when I was younger that, hey, whenever you are in trouble or you're, you're going to die or you're in a hospital, wherever I am, I'm going to come be with you, you know, in th- that, that process, the last part of, of your life. And he said, okay. And I said that to him and I said it to my grandmother. Well, again, fast forward years later, Grace and I are missionaries in Croatia. And I get the phone call that my uncle is on his deathbed. He's dying. And we didn't have any money. But I, I, I felt terribly that I had made this promise and so much had changed. And, and I really strive. I really want to be a man of my word. So I thought, how can we make this happen? So I talked to Grace. We talked about it. I put the tickets on a credit card and flew to Philadelphia and went down to the hospice to see my great uncle one last time and to talk with him. And I really felt like this was an opportunity that the Lord had given me to, to really share the gospel with him one last time. But my inheritance was threatened because I knew that he was not a believer and I knew that he probably wasn't going to receive it well. So there was a chance that he could get so upset at me for coming and sharing the gospel with him on his deathbed that he would cut me out. And I said, I don't care. My perspective had changed. I had contentment. So I went down, went to the hospital, saw him, shared the gospel with him, talked to him, and he got mad at me, spitting mad. And he said, I'm not sorry for anything I did in my life. I never have been, and I'm surely not sorry for the way I live my life today. I don't care what happens tomorrow. I'm like, man, do you realize? I said, do you realize that like you're on the cusp? Like this is it. There's no turning back. Like you're on the cusp of eternity of meeting your creator face to face. He wouldn't have it. Didn't want to talk to me. Got super upset. I left, not knowing what was going to happen. He died. It was like a week later after I flew back to Croatia. And he didn't change anything. So we, we were blessed. He, he had some money set aside for us, and, and we got it in a time when we didn't have much. And it was a blessing. It was a double blessing because I, I was able to be true to what I knew God had called me to do and, and to be. Because if we're not willing in every situation, in every scenario, if we're not willing to put the big K over the little K, then we're not going to have any contentment ever. If you seek the little K stuff, if you seek your kingdom and houses and gardens and servants and riches and gold and silver and, and the, the, the trinkets on the shelf and all, you're never going to have contentment. That's the big picture. But if you take the big K, you say, God, it's about your kingdom. It's about the big P, your purpose. It's about the big P, your plan. And I'm willing to submit myself to you. He says, seek me first in my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All my goodness will be given to you. He's looking at it from the opposite perspective, which is why it's wisdom for us. And it's something that we need to be reminded of and meditate on regularly. For what is a man for all his labor and for, for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work is burdensome. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Y'all have trouble sleeping at night? 
You know who didn't have trouble, trouble sleeping anywhere? Jesus. He's in a boat. A storm's coming. The storm is so bad that they are sure that they're going to die. <laughs> That's how bad it is. This isn't like, oh, somebody's rocking the boat. We might fall. No, this is like, we're dry. Jesus, wake up. What are you doing sleeping? They're going to die. He's snoring. He's, how are you sleeping? You sleeping okay? That will give us a little perspective about whether we're about the big K or the little K. Because I'll lose sleep over the little K stuff all the time. This is about what I want. This is about what I need. But when you sleep well, when you sleep like a baby, now listen, okay, that is not a blanket statement to judge whether you sleep well or not. That's not the point. Okay, I know there's somebody on Facebook right now saying, I have a disorder. Yeah, you have it. We all know you have a disorder. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's about perspective, okay? Is it really about those things? What really is important? And then really our key verse, this is where I want to kind of settle for a couple minutes before we close and look at some verses in the New Testament. But our key verse is verse 24 and 25. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I. What's he saying? This is your takeaway, church. He's saying it's all about contentment. What has God given you? He's given you a meal every day. Trust me, I know, Grace and I, we were in positions in the past where she literally had to take all of our empty milk bottles and plastic bottles, wash them out, take them to the store to recycle them, get some money for the bottles, and then buy dinner that night. We've been there. We've been in very difficult places. And even in those days where that's where what we were having to do, we, we truly had contentment before God. At least I did. I don't know if she did, but I was content. I'm like, why are you worrying? We've got lots of bottles around here. And if, if we run out, I saw a trash can down the road. There's some more. Just go grab some of those. Contentment. We've had a lot. God's blessed us in different seasons of our life. My uncle, you know, it was a blessing. We were able to get furniture for our house and, and go out to eat a couple times. It was amazing. Paul says, in all things, whether I have much or I have little, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content in all things. And what we need to understand today is, is the difference between vainly living our lives in vanity or contentment and resting in the goodness of God. Nothing is better for a man than to, that he should eat and drink. And that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. You know one of my favorite things to do? You guys know. I tell you all the time. One of my favorite things to do is eat. Oh, man. I, I lost a lot of weight, right? And somebody said to me in the first service, they said, I really like your shirt. It was really distracting. And I'm like, why? And, and she said, well, because it kind of pops out in the middle, right, in the front. It kind of pops out. It looks weird. She was making fun of me. And I was like, yeah, that's because my belly used to look like this. And, and it, my shirt was pushed out all the time, and now it's not that far out. I can do that. That's natural, by the way. That, wasn't, that was muscle. That was not fat. And that, because it was like that for so long, I've had it for years, it kind of formed that way. So I guess I should start tucking it in or something. I like to eat. 
I like good food, too. I don't just like to eat, like, garbage. Uh, you know, we like, we like good, quality, fresh food. And to sit down to a meal and just be like, you know, I love saying grace or, or, or praying over the food. And, and if you know me, I'll just, this is a little slip in, a little jab, if you will. I never ask the Lord to bless the food to my body. It's a natural process. And God is not going to bless that double-double to your body. He's just not. You can pray it a hundred times. You reap what you sow. You put in a million calories, you're going to show. God ain't blessing it. He ain't taking it away. But what I do, uh, what I do do is I thank him for it. God, thank you for this food. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for this season that we're in. We want to be content in all things. We want to understand what you've given to us is good. This also I saw was from the hand of God, he says. God's provision, our contentment in that. Listen, Christian, follower of Jesus, if you are more concerned what your friend or neighbor next to you has that you want, then you are not going to have a very peaceful, content life. And if you strive to have more, to compare with them or to, to, to be able to have some kind of status, take it from Solomon and take it from me this morning. It's vanity, vanity, vanity. All is vanity. Let's look at the definition of contentment before we turn in our Bibles to a verse in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6. You could be turning there now if you like, and we'll look at the definition. Content, contentment. In a state of peaceful happiness. How many of you knew that that's what the definition of contentment was? I didn't. Well, you guys were in the first service. Put your hands down. I think it makes a lot of sense. That's pretty cool, huh? Content in a state of peaceful happiness. You know, another way that we can translate blessed in the Bible is what? Happy. So you could say in a state of peaceful blessedness, that's what contentment is. It's being good with where you're at. It's being okay with what God has given you, what he's doing in your life. Contentment. And if we're looking at the big picture of our life right now, we're looking at the season that we're in, are you going in the direction of meaninglessness, of vanity, lack of purpose, or are you going in the direction of satisfaction, contentment, peace, happiness? Did you all flip to 1 Timothy chapter 6? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Some of you may know these verses. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's say it together, church. Godliness with contentment is great gain. One more time, louder. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness is the separation of you from the world. It's the, the, it's the big P purpose. It's God saying, I want you to be special. I want you to be different. And I also, in that category, while you're there, I want you to be content. I want you to have contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. There's no toy haulers on the, uh, the chariot to heaven. And having food and clothing, 
With these, we shall be content. Food and clothing? He says, Solomon says, this is also from the hand of God, just to be thankful for what you have right now, for, even if it's just a meal, even if it's just to sit down, you have food and drink, and that's true, genuine contentment and satisfaction because it's about the perspective. It's not the meal, it's about the perspective from God. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Many people misquote that and they think it says the love of money is the root of all evil, but that's not what the verse says. The verse is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many different things can come from money that are evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is the New Testament word corresponding to the Old Testament word that we read, that there's Christians who can choose to live in vanity and greediness, and it's going to be the same outcome as Solomon talked about before. It's going to be the same. And he says Christians? He says Christians? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness? That's crazy. You mean there's Christians who are not content with what God's given them? I guess so. Pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Isn't that beautiful? But that's not you, buddy. That's not you, Tim. You're a man of God. These are the things that you pursue. You don't pursue wealth. You don't pursue greed. You don't pursue vanity. It's not about the little K for you. It's about the big K, and you pursue righteousness, doing what's right, godliness, being separate unto, unto, for God's purpose, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There's two C's in that section of scripture that we just looked at that we need to take note of if you're taking notes for your takeaway, for your application this week. The first one is contentment. And what's the second one? We just read it. Confession. Because out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. And if it's in your brain, it's eventually going to come out. And if you're content, that's what people are going to see. And if you're not, people are going to see it. People are going to see it. God's given me a special discernment. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor, but I can see a mile away when something's bothering somebody. And the first thing I do when I get to go up to him, I say, hey, I can tell something's on your mind. Is everything okay? Tell me, talk to me, let me pray for you. And then out it all comes. Contentment is being in a place where you understand that you've been separated for God's purpose. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's like noon, you guys. It's not even time for a nap yet. God's purpose, he gives contentment. And it comes through the confession. Now, obviously, he's talking about the confession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's clearly what he's saying. 
And that's what we're going to say. That's what we're going to talk about if, if that's what's in our heart. If it's covetousness, we'll throw another C in there. If it's covetousness, then that's what's going to come out. If it's contentment, then, then the confession is going to be, you know what? In the big, in the grand scheme of things, man, God is good. I confess Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. God is good, and through Jesus, he changed my life. You can't change what is tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you can be in a place today where you're content before God, your creator, and all that he has done, gifted you, and, and given you in your life. I have another verse you don't have to turn there. We're going to f- flip over. Um, Grant's going to flip over there. It's Proverbs chapter 19, 23. I really like this verse. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord leads to life. You want to live? Fear the Lord. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. That's, that's such a sweet verse. It's so true, isn't it? Fear the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Nothing bothers you. Nothing moves you. What's wrong? I'm content in the Lord, brother. I'm content in the Lord, sister. God is good. He's taking care of me. I can trust him for tomorrow. Back to Ecclesiastes, finishing the chapter 2. Nothing is better for man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have more enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting. He may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. I have a few questions for you. Number one, ask yourself if you're content. Truly, like only you know, but are you content? Do you believe that what you have is from God? That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Do you believe that what you have is from God? Then you should be happy. You should be content. Uh, I was watching Evan Almighty yesterday with the kids. That is a stupid movie. It's so dumb. <laughs> yesterday? Yeah. Dude, what's up? <laughs> so we're watching Evan Almighty. You know, uh, Steve Farrell builds an ark and, and, uh, to save from a temporary flood. And, and uh, it's, it's pretty funny. But there's this one part where they move. Like he's in Congress or something, and, and, and they move. And he's, he's a high-pressure job. He's got to perform. Got this huge, big house. He's driving a Hummer, all the, all, the, all the bells and whistles and everything. And then God comes in, Morgan Freeman, of course. God comes in and, and, and starts ruining his life because of big P, big K, like, God has a plan and through all this, and all, all he sees is, is the bad. And, and there's this one line that kind of struck me. It was funny. I don't reference movies a lot, obviously, in, in, in my messages, but, but this one was kind of timely. Morgan Freeman says to him, he says, everything that's happening right now, everything that you're going through, just remember I'm doing it 
because I love you. That's what he says to him in the movie. And I'm like, oh man, it's so true though, isn't it? Like everything God does in your life, everything that you're going through, everything that you've been through, everything that's going to happen tomorrow, God loves you. And there's a big picture, there's a big K that he wants you to be a part of. He wants to use you. So don't try to kick against the goads. Don't try to go your own way. Submit yourself to him. Submit yourself in humility and allow that contentment to come from him. Godliness with contentment so that you can have, what was it? Happiness, peaceful happiness, peaceful blessedness. I like it. I want it. I want some more of it. Next question. What do you want? Can you ask yourself that question? What do you want? What is inside of you that said, yeah, I just want this? You would do yourself well to put that question or that answer into perspective by thinking about the big K and the little K, about your part or his part. It'll bring some perspective. And then the last question I want to ask you, is it vanity or is it contentment? Do you want to strive for vanity? Do you want to give yourself over to these things? It's going to be worthless. He says there was no profit. Do you want to do that? You want to come to the same conclusion and be that lesson learner? I'm the I'm a got to learn the hard way. Don't. Or is it contentment? Because we get to pick. If it's it's about the big K, the big P, God's plan, His purpose, His will, then there's going to come um, peaceful happiness, contentment. And if, about, if it's about yours, if it's about this kingdom, if it's about all the questions that are being asked right now uh, for what it stands, what do you stand for, what do you kneel for, what kind of companies do you support, all of the garbage, listen to me, it's baloney, and this is what Solomon sums it up as, vanity. It's all going to pass away. So we as Christians should process the same questions that they're asking and give them the kingdom Answer. You guys are seeking for this stuff. It's not going to matter in, in 10 years. It's not going to matter in 20 years. It's not going to matter in 50 years. It's not going to, nobody's even going to know what you're talking about in 100 years. But you will understand for eternity what the big P is. You'll understand for eternity what the big K is. And it, wouldn't, and it won't matter where you go to shop for your shoes or anything else. Because all the rest is just falling away. Does that make sense to anybody else? You guys understand what I'm saying? There's a, there's a tendency to do two things to respond to our culture when things like this happen. Either one, we, there's a huge pushback. Be like, no, we are Christians. This is who we are. And then we come up with our own memes and our own pictures demonstrating what's, what's, what's true, you know? Or we... we, we over-engage and try to defend. Just share the gospel with people. Who cares about everything else? Love people. Express the heart of God to people. And while you're doing it, live before God in godliness with contentment. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we lift up 
um, this time to you, and, and it is sanctified. It is holy. It's a time where we can come together. We can hear your word. We can ask you to, to teach us, to grow us, to help us learn. So we're very thankful and grateful to you for this time. For my brothers and sisters who are here today, for the fellowship we're going to experience afterward, just God, you are so good. You are so good. We want to be remaining in a place of contentment before you because we know your goodness. In Jesus' name. While everybody's heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, we don't do this all the time. In fact, just kind of hit and miss. I want to make sure that we're being led of the Lord in all things that we do. But I want to give you an opportunity today that if you are struggling with contentment, the Lord knows it. And I want to give you an opportunity to confess that. Remember confession? I want you to be able to come clean so that I can pray with you, so that you can come to a place before the Lord that's healthy, that you can have peaceable happiness. You can go into a season with a new perspective about the purposes of God and what he's doing. So if that's you, if you've been struggling with contentment, you've been asking questions, comparing yourself to others, I want you to slip your hand up in the air so that I can pray for you. Don't be shy. I see your hands. Don't be ashamed. God already sees it. Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you who just lifted their hands to you in honesty and in humility. They want contentment and, and as much as they, they want to ask for it and receive it um, supernaturally, which is, which is how we want it to happen, but there's also a, a part of response from us to submit ourselves in contentment to you. To remember, to think about the big picture, to know that, that it's about what you have in life and how we can be part of eternity today and affecting other people's lives. And the best place that we can be to do that is in a place of contentment. So thank you, God, for your word. Give them some special grace as far as contentment goes and also Bring it to remembrance this week, to meditate, to consider everything I have when I step out of bed in the morning, when I put the fork in my mouth, when I turn the key in my car. When It's all because you're good and you love us. Refresh their spirits. Give them satisfaction in you. And bless them. Bless the rest of your children, Father, your church this week as we go out. Allow them to be the light that pierces the darkness, the perspective of life, that they can point people to Jesus in confession because of the contentment that they experience while the rest of the world is running around in vanity. That's what we ask, God, for you, for us this week. And do it by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.